0: The following program is intended for mature audiences.
1: It is sports. Uh,
2: what sports and beer with friends? Can you even believe it? And we're live on well on the internet. Uh, I am jo- I am Duckman. Uh, I am joined by Steve. What's Steve. We are live, and also Mike Mastrolio. So I am live. What's up? Am I live? Are you there, Mike? Yeah, you're live.
3: We're all live, <laughs>
2: and it's really awesome. I am live from Mountain View, Hawaii, uh, and. Steve is live from Hilo, Hawaii, and Mike is live from Kona, Hawaii. So we are all over the place right now. This
4: triangulated
2: the island, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> for sure, we've got it, Uh, it's like a, a dragnet almost. So welcome into Sports and Beer with Friends. We're trying to hook up a Google Hangout so we can see each other, but I don't know if the other guys are going to answer, so I'll just turn it off because it's just making noises right now. All right. Well, anyway, it's Sports and Beer with Friends. This is Season 1, Episode 14. Glad to be with you. The song you heard at the top—that's an ode to no one, off *Melanie* uh, and *The Infinite Sadness* by, uh, of course, the Smashing Pumpkins—and uh, we'll be that album today. Also, want to remind you that for professional financial advice regarding retirement planning, investment, and life insurance, contact Matt Gavendo and receive your complimentary planning analysis. And you can call today at three one five six seven one one eight six four. He would appreciate a phone call right about now. It is three a.m at his house call him call him
0: <laughs> it is is
2: nine a 9 p.m i'm sorry out here in hawaii 902 to be exact
0: uh we are glad
2: to be with you glad to be live on the air today was a huge day in sports obviously the fight of the year and I build of course is the fight of the century uh floyd mayweather and connor mcgregor that- Today, we know the outcome now. Uh, Connor McGregor lasted till the 10th. He was TKO'd by Floyd Mayweather. Um, by some accounts, obviously, it uh, looked like uh, McGregor was strong early and won a bunch of the early rounds, but then kind of ran out again. Uh, Floyd TKO'd him. Uh, Floyd, of course, one of the better defensive fighters in the history of the boxing game. So it's actually really not a surprise. But, Steve, that sure does set up another fight, don't you think?
4: well i don't I don't think that Connor did enough to uh warrant an you know a rematch not you know not immediately anyway, only because you know i mean uh okay, so on purpose, I didn't listen I didn't read to any of what the analysts had to say after the fight as soon as the fight was done I just said, look you know um I didn't want uh, that to kind of influence what I had to say tonight, basically what I feel is you know, McGregor came in, you know, came in early. um, And, you know, he's going to try to, uh, I guess, gain control of the fight with his jab. Floyd had to respect the jab until he felt that he didn't have to. Then he had to uh, play aggressor. And, you know, that's basically what happened. I mean, I give uh, Conor, you know, uh, sort of props for having, you know, lasted that long because I didn't think that he was going to last that long. However, I don't think he did enough to warrant a rematch. I mean, it's anybody else that fights Floyd, I mean, they're going to take him, you know, uh, they're going to take him to the later rounds. However, he's just going to dismantle him, you know, later on. That's, I mean, you know, that's the way he's been fighting for the last 50 fights.
2: Yeah, I would uh, would say this. Floyd Mayweather will fight Conor McGregor again, or he'll fight no one ever again, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to fight anyone than conor mcgregor i think 50 and 0 is a number that he has coveted and now he's got it i think unless it's conor mcgregor and the huge payday that that would bring i don't think he's gonna fight and i think you're kind of right in the sense that um i don't think it would be a quick i I think right in the sense i'm sorry that it won't be a quick rematch but i think there's a rematch in here but i think take conor mcgregor stirring the pot about how hey if i get another Wants to become a real fighter and all this other, you know, I don't know. Maybe he can stir the pot and say, you know what?
3: If I if I have more time, I'll be a better fighter and I can take. But well, the I'm real five hundred uh, million is sitting out there for them. Yeah. Well, the, the real fight
4: for Floyd to take and the next <laughs> yeah. mega fight is going to be against the winner of Canelo and uh, Triple G. And I if I wants, really I really don't think Floyd wants any of that. No matter who it I is. I don't think guys because he can lose.
0: Yeah. Um, right. right. you get destroyed. Here's the thing.
5: You, you, we've said this. So, I've friends back in Syracuse. We watched we got together for every big boxing match. We watched all the all the Mayweather fights together. And I just don't understand frankly why Floyd Mayweather's fights are so highly watched because they are absolutely boring. Like it's been 10 years since he fought, since he was in a fight that was in any way interesting, probably the last time he fought De La Hoya was probably the last time he was in a fight that wasn't an awful fight to watch. So, all, you know, there's a lot of great boxing matches, and and Canelo and, and Triple G are both guys that put on great matches and have impressive power and are fun to watch. And somehow the guy who sells all the pay per view is Mayweather, who is not fun to watch at all. Well,
2: I, I will I, I will know, kind of say this. Hold on, but I will say this. Uh, Maybe if you are I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's not super exciting boxing, but he is such a def- tactician. I, I don't know. I think it's, it, to that point, it, it, he is. You have to. You have to watch because you have to study him. You have to know him because he's such an important fighter. However, I do understand it's not an exciting fight. It's like Mayweather is never going to have a like a uh, Arturo Mickey Ward kind of moment. He's never going to find that guy who he just stands to throw with and kills. But uh, I, I think. I think there is gonna if if there was gonna be a match like I said I, right I don't think he doesn't want any part of Triple G or Canelo I think the only reason he ever fights again is possibly a second fight with Conor McGregor.
5: The thing with those guys is they're they're more of the same in that there's been a bunch of guys who Mayweather has fought and it's like boy if that guy can hit him once he might be able to knock Mayweather out well guess what nobody can hit him once and it's happened 50 times. And, you know, Zab Judah caught him with a good one. Frankly, McGregor caught him with a nice uppercut in this fight that probably had just as much chance to knock Floyd down or or stun him as any punch that has landed on him in the last 10 or 15 fights. Um, And to his credit, he's got a strong chin, and he dodges basically everything. And when he does get caught, it usually stuns him for about a quarter of a second before he's right back to dodging everything you're throwing at him. So,
0: um
5: you know, this fight went about the way I expected it to, if if anything. Um, it went a little longer. Really, going into the fight, what I told everybody who was willing to listen was the only way that McGregor wins this fight is if Mayweather intentionally throws it um, with the intent of setting up a second payday. Because the only way...
0: That's, that's exactly what Steve we were seeing. Said me, dude,
2: he, he said those exact really? words. I showed up at work on Thursday. He said, you know what? <laughs> here's how. Here's how McGregor wins this fight. Floyd slips a punch and, and falls down and, and doesn't get up.
5: The bottom line is there was no no situation in which Floyd wins the fight that there's a compelling reason to have a rematch that exists in a boxing ring. The only compelling rematch now, is, to, is to, if Floyd's got the balls to go fight him in the UFC ring. And to be fair, there's a far lesser chance that Floyd can beat McGregor in in an octagon. Then there was a chance that McGregor could be floyd in this fight. Because I would, I, would McGregor her, would be he more would heavily hurt.
2: favored in in m m a yes.
5: he would get hurt in the so I get, floyd in
2: absolutely Floyd would get destroyed in the octagon. now I will give you the Steve had of the day today one of his friends was talking about fighting Mayweather for ten million dollars what was it, Steve
4: As I said I fought bigger guys for free <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I fought bigger
2: guys for free. <laughs> I fought bigger guys for free. I I fought
3: bigger guys for free. All right. I so mean, good on you. Right. I
5: said to one of my friends today, I'd fight him for five hundred. I'd fight both of them for five hundred grand right now. Um, and I, you know, I, I, like, I'm in, under no illusions of the fact that they would knock me out, but I'm happy to get knocked out for half a million.
3: I got okay hand about a hundred and fifty pounds on both of them. I will
2: I will sign up I, for fifty grand.
5: I think there's a good chance you might be able to hurt one
2: of them. Right. I'm I'm not saying I'll win, but I'm gonna hurt somebody. Some somebody remember me. They gonna member me.
5: <laughs> the All thing right. with you, Thomas, they can beat <laughs> your head. Floyd's like five foot two. I mean he can't he literally can't punch no, on I, that.
2: I, well, I know I got a foot I got a foot on Floyd and I got probably a good is on McGregor. What's McGregor? 5'10"? eight, five ten.
5: They're both small guys. It's, you know, they're fighting at one hundred and forty-five yeah. pounds. I'm not a. I'm not a big guy, and I walk around at one ninety-two.
2: Um, you yeah.
5: know, so I got all a tag right.
2: so on just, either of them All right, so so people. I, so I'm a country boy, six foot two, about two sixty-ish. That's all I gotta say. So anyway, so that's good for the McGregor and Mayweather fight, and hopefully there's a two uh, somewhere because I can't I can't go without this spectacle. Actually, I was kind of sick of it by about Wednesday, but now that it's over, I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now now that Mayweather and McGregor isn't a thing. Uh, So uh, on to the next big thing, the uh, NBA. Much for a quiet NBA, the Cavs and Celtics. Hold on, these huge. Before we go on to the the NBA, because you know
5: once we start talking NBA, you've lost me. Can we continue to talk fighting for a second? Because I'd like to just talk about the John Jones
2: situation.
0: So, so all right, all right. Hard,
2: all right. So, hard break on the show. So more, Mike wants to talk about John Bone Jones.
0: So
5: far, more compelling actual fighter than Mayweather to me is uh, is John. He's, his fights are super compelling, super interesting, and uh, his last fight against Daniel Cormier. Um, he put on a spectacle, and the two of them had a good fight, and then Jones kicked him in the head and knocked him out, and it was great. Uh, Jones, pers- my favorite fighter personally, is from upstate New York, where from where we hail, um, and, you know, his the, the brothers played football at Syracuse, so John Jones, some ties to the place where I'm from originally, and uh, really intriguing guy to watch play. So it comes out that after the Cormier fight, um, Jones tested positive for oral steroids, after the weigh-in or or right after the fight and you know they they test these guys over and over and over again throughout the camp and then before and after the fight and it's just boy it just seems hard to believe that he could have tested clean all that time and then right after the fight test positive for a steroid that wouldn't do anything for you unless you're taking it for weeks in a cycle um I just I, I feel bad for the guy it's hard to it's it's hard to um give him the benefit of the doubt based on his history, but boy, it's awfully weird to test positive for an oral steroid that would give you no advantage <laughs> in of history, a fight.
0: And
3: everybody around the country saying, Screw this guy, he's a doper, he's cheated, give Cormier the and let's be done with it. And the thing is Steve and I were t- actually Stephen and I were talking about John Bone Jones today and we said, Look, what's his next both, I think we both agree it's WWE because you can look at Brock Lesnar, he's going to make more money, his ass kicked the last, has to work a little bit less, and, and at the end of the day, he can do whatever he wants, and there's no drug tests.
4: Definitely a big payday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the deal.
0: Brock Lesnar <laughs> You He's like,
3: I, don't want any of that. I don't want any of that nonsense you just said out of your mouth I, Well you're
5: kind of Frankly you're kind of cutting in and out Because I had to connect with the phone and it sort of sucks that I can't uh-huh. hear you clearly okay. the, WWE is not a sport And it's not fighting um, It's, it's, it's a it's physical career. It, I, Here's the thing John Jones is an actual fighter man um, I don't no, want to see him
0: fight.
5: I want to see him Actual fighting Um, And I would like to see him actually fight Brock Lesnar. I think that that is, to me, one of the more intriguing UFC matchups you could put out there. And I know Lesnar is a doper, and you don't don't get to size a Lesnar without being one. Um, (laughs) But but now Jones fights if, if you're not, you know, a huge follower of UFC and you're just kind of listening casually. Jones fights as a light heavyweight in the UFC, um, which is the 205-pound division. Brock Lesnar walks around the street at 265 easily. Um, and and for Jones to step into that fight is is a ballsy thing to try to do. It's one thing to step up to heavyweight and fight a guy who's 230. It's another thing to step up to heavyweight and fight a guy who's essentially a super heavyweight. Um, well, Matt
4: Murdy is 175 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, it's
0: it's pretty,
5: <laughs> it's pretty crazy, man, honestly. Like, Jones does walk around heavier than 205, but he's not a guy like Cormier struggles to cut weight and get to 205. Jones can eat a cheeseburger and weigh in at 205 after his training record. Um, so yeah, no, him versus sure. Lesnar, I mean, that's that's a quite an ask. But at the same time, to me, one's a real fighter and one's an actor, you know.
0: So I, I, okay. I would
3: like to see that. That would a lot. I don't think it's the level of obviously Mayweather McGregor. It's probably. Hello. Who have got? a... on MMA? All right, so. The next thing, of course, I was about to talk about before Mike interrupted to go back to NBA. A really great topic. However, NBA is so much for acquiring the Cavs and the Celtics shook up the East with a big trade, trading uh, Kyrie Irving to the Celtics for Isaiah Thomas, Ante Zizich, Jay Crowder, and the 2018 Nets pick. Um, and I was all set to talk about how this trade was probably better for the Cavs in the, in the long term, actually. Uh, but in the short term, particularly, it's really good for the However, there's been a wrench to this because Isaiah Thomas's is, uh, hip will not allow him to pass uh, physically in Cleveland, and now uh, Cleveland is trying to get a few more assets.
5: Um, I think you're over. I, I've read all the same stuff you've read, but this this trade's a done deal,
3: um,
5: in my opinion. What they're going to do is they'll right. get a well, second rounder at the end of the day uh, <laughs> because they're going to get a, they're going to get some additional. Late first, late first, early second out of Boston, something like that. Um, because, frankly, they don't, they'd be crazy to want to try to take Kyrie back at this point, and there's no other suitor for him that can give them the kind of package that Boston has already put on the table. And Cleveland's playing for the long game. As far, and when I say the long game, I don't mean 2020. I mean the long game is in winning the championship next season, not the first half of the regular season next season. And as long as Isaiah can be healthy for the second half of the season and the playoff run, that's all that really matters. This is just to get something else, uh, some other small piece out of Boston.
0: Absolutely.
3: I I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there's any chance that Cleveland would entertain the idea of uh, being able to take Kyrie back and work. Um, And also – can we address uh, – this is what I wanted to talk about before all that stuff happened. The idiots in Boston uh, who are burning these jerseys, how, how dumb is that? I mean, this guy, for, hey, he didn't leave a free agent or anything. The team, the team willingly traded him away. And this is a guy who a day after his sister died in a tragic car accident, he was on the court in a playoff game for your team, and you're going to burn his jersey.
5: towards his ACL. The, the Patriots typically find a way to get over injuries, you know, but it doesn't matter. It still sucks. We have uh, our breakout
4: season I, by uh, Chris Hogan. That's what it is.
5: You know, look, do they have people that can, in theory, do what Edelman does? Sure. They've got guys, you know, other short, fast white guys. Um, but the bottom line is. Edelman's Edelman. He catches everything they throw at him. He runs great routes. He blocks well. He does. He just does everything well. He's a consummate professional, and you really just can't replace him. Um, you got a guy running out here in the preseason in a game that means nothing, and he tears his ACL, and it sucks. You know, Injuries in the preseason are all the uh, reason you need to cut the preseason from four games to two, which they should have done a long time ago. Um, they've had this discussion previously about cutting the preseason short and every time a big name guy goes down in the preseason it makes me realize that that's something that they should do should have done and I can't believe they haven't done it yet and I'm having some technical difficulties on my end I can't really hear you guys on the broadcast so I apologize
4: They are coming in crystal clear on my side. I just can't hear Tom. <laughs> Hello. You hear me, Mike?
1: The world is a vampire. The world is a vampire.
2: have Mike. Mike should call back in. Mike, call back in if you would, please. So I'm back on the air. Uh, that was uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings by uh, Smashing Pumpkins. All the songs tonight are by the Smashing Pumpkins. They're all coming off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Uh, we want to remind you that we do not own the music that we play here on Sports and Beer with Friends. We uh, we do encourage you to purchase that music from anywhere that you do buy music, whether that be Amazon.com, uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, whatever that should happen to be. Uh, as we said, that was uh, "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" from uh, Smashing Pumpkin. Also, I've got <clears throat> sorry, i got Steve. I'm sorry, I've got Mike back on the show. Hey, Mike, how's it going? I
5: remember actually uh, <laughs> taping that song off the radio when I was a kid. Um I don't know if you ever tape songs off the radio to listen to, but I remember doing that yeah, with that yeah. song. So it's okay. been out for quite a while.
2: Awesome. So I so I'm gonna have I'm trying to get a hold of Steve. I wanna get Steve uh to try to come back in, try uh I'm gonna have him try again. Uh and so we're back diff- on the air. We had some we had some technical <laughs> difficulties there. Uh we're back on live. It's been a while, so we may have some things to figure out on our end. Um, but the good news is we got Mike back now, and we're hopeful to will have Steve back in just a moment. So we were talking about NTAA. That kind of went really sideways, and I kind of spaced on a lot of stuff. That was fun. Uh, then we, we were going to talk about some NFL. Mike talked about the Julian Edelman injury. There's been a couple other big ones. So from a fantasy standpoint, Mike, this is really – I mean, this is why you don't draft before – really before the third game of the preseason. Am I right or wrong? I mean, I always
5: like to draft after the preseason games are over, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Then I, you know, I feel like you have all the information at that point, and it just makes more sense. Now, sometimes it's a matter of getting your 10 or 12 or 14 or whatever guys, guys and gals, you know, locked into a time and date, and sometimes that's easier said than done, and you kind of have to draft when there's still preseason games left to be played, but. Boy, it sure would stink to be in a PPR league and have drafted Julian Edelman in the sixth or seventh round and be looking at your your pick being gone already. Yeah,
2: I mean, I totally agree. I've had you know, I, and I say after the third preseason game, mostly because that's when most of the uh, you know the starters they don't uh, they don't play any more real uh, meaningful minutes in the preseason for the most part. Um, so you get through three games, and usually anybody who you're going to be interested in drafting will uh, will be safe as far as uh, their injury prospects going.
5: I just find the preseason NFL to be a completely worthless exercise. Like, I get it that if you're one of the marginal, you know, guys trying to make the team and, and roster cuts and stuff like that, that it's really important to you. Um, but, boy, yeah. <sighs> Trying to figure out who your 53rd guy is is a lot less important than figuring out whether Julian Edelman's is going to play this season or, or any other of the major contributors who's already been lost for the season here. Um, you know, the Patriots also lost their third-round draft pick to an injury in the preseason. Um, they caught the guy they traded their second-round draft pick for. So while they had a great offseason, the preseason has kind of shot them in the foot a little bit um, after a great offseason, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with that, and I understand where you're coming from. Uh, The Cowboys have lost players in the preseason before, most notably recently uh, being Sean Lee uh, for the 2014 season. He suffered an ACL injury in a non-contact in practice, kind of similar to what Julian Edelman did in terms of a non-contact injury. Uh, It's always a shame when you lose an important player for your team, uh, early in the preseason, and you're not going to have that guy for the rest of the year. Um, and, like, like you're, people want to say, as far as New England goes, that, you know, they can just plug anybody in. But Julian Edelman is a huge loss to them.
5: They literally don't win the Super Bowl if they plug someone else in to Julian Edelman's spot last year. So, um, yeah, he's an important guy. And this isn't just me being salty because a major player is <clears by throat> my favorite team. Guy. Pardon. It's just – my general feeling of the preseason is it's not like football is far too dangerous a sport to be out there running around full speed and threatening injury. I mean, it just isn't worth it.
2: I totally agree. Steve's back with us. Steve, weigh in on the, uh, the preseason, the length of it.
4: Um, yeah. It's kind of the same sentiments. I think it's, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, there's just too much wrong that can happen. Versus the obvious, you know, obvious, you know, the positives. I mean, uh, like Mike, Mike mentioned, I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you're trying to, you know, fill, I guess, the back end of your roster, guys that, um, you know, you know, might need a game or two for you to grade them, to make the team, not make the team, or what have you. But yeah, like I said, I mean, it's just these catastrophic injuries that have happened over the course of the last, you know. Few seasons. I mean, it just doesn't
5: make it worth it. Like no. imagine. Yeah, if I you mean, you asked it. To... Cutler in a preseason game. I mean, where would you be?
2: Yeah, for sure. If if the Dolphins lost Cutler now, after having lost Tannehill, they would be completely screwed. Yep. I mean, there's just no. I'm, if...
0: I'm glad. Okay, you guys so last that. year.
2: I... In the third preseason game, the Cowboys lost Tony Romo to injury. This is a bad example. I'm not going to go forward. This doesn't support Mike's uh, narrative. <laughs> 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 I'm terribly sorry. That, was, that worked out so well for the Dallas Cowboys that uh, I've got nothing else to add. All right. So, anyway, this week, last week we did our <laughs> NFC preview. We talked about the Cowboys and all the other teams in the NFC. We're going to do our AFC preview this week, so we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our sports list of the week. Now, I took out the word dumb because I don't actually think this one is all that dumb. Uh, it's oh, from God. ESPN, and that? it is the
5: – What's the point then? I mean, who, who do we tear Well, apart? I think
2: you're going to find this very interesting. Okay, it's the worst NFL teams of the past 30 years. So, so it's basically it's asking the 2017 Jets can't be this bad, right? Because the Jets are widely considered to be the worst team roster-wise in uh, in football. The last couple of years, I've, I've really just I picked out a couple of teams that I thought were the worst roster in football. Two years ago, it was the New Orleans Saints. Last year, it was, last year Fran, it was the right? San Fran. that, I, yeah, San Fran. I thought San Fran was worse a little bit than. Cleveland was last year. Although their record was better, I still stand by my statement. I don't think San Fran had a very good roster last year. Um, I think their roster has improved somewhat this year. I am in uh, agreement with the larger group saying that the New York Jets are going to have a very bad roster this year. This roster is very, very bad. Um, So this, I I thought there was just going to be a really interesting list if we took a look at uh, the 30- Worst teams, I have said the worst teams over the past 30 seasons. It's a top 10 list. Now, written by Aaron Schatz uh, of ESPN.com. So he's got a few criteria. It's important to remember that DVOA is measuring efficiency, so they're going to do DVOA, a bunch of other stuff. So they have a plus minus uh, for each team and their final record. Okay. So we'll start with number 10. Number ten is the 2004 San Francisco 49ers. Now on it, they are minus 41.8 percent and had a two and fourteen record. 49ers cleaned house to escape salary cap problems, cutting Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens, and Garrison Hurst. And the 04 ers ranked 29th in DVOA and 34th, 31st, I'm sorry, in defensive DVOA. And their two wins both came in overtime against the six and ten Arizona Cardinals. That's an awesome team. (laughs) Even though the 49ers played one of the league's
5: 10 easiest schedules. So um, I'll I'll be the first one to admit, I don't remember much about that 49ers team, which is probably going to be a consistent team throughout these these 10 teams we're about to talk about. So before we continue, talk to me about DVOA and what that means.
2: Defense adjusted value over average. Correct. So that's important to this list. Exactly. So DVOA uh, basically it's uh, a measuring of efficiency on a per play basis. This is exactly quoted from the article, actually. Uh, So (laughs) instead of looking at top line wins and losses, the 0 for 16 Lions did not have the worst DVOA, for example. And some one in 15 teams don't even come close to the bottom. Okay, so here's a a good example for Steve, DVOA-wise. The 07 Miami Dolphins went 1-15. Steve remembers this very well. But even (laughs) they don't rank among the 100 worst teams of the last 30 years based on these metrics. So there's that. So because for this example, they played one of the three toughest schedules in the league and lost six games by just a field goal. Steve, how are you still alive? How did you not kill yourself (laughs) in 2007? (laughs) <laughs> that Blazers is horrendous. Are, you know, hoping
4: in 2008 they would turn it around and, uh, you know, I mean, they could easily have been, what, you know? I mean, they could have easily been a 500 team.
2: They could have been.
4: So you know, other,
2: but, other, but besides, but they didn't, they weren't a 500 team. Instead, no. Steve developed a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one on the list is number nine, uh, the 2002 Houston Texans, who had a plus-minus of minus 41.9 on the DVOA scale, and four and 12. uh, So they had the worst offensive DVOA in history. Go
0: ahead.
5: If you had mentioned that this was David Carr's rookie season, I could have told you he was sacked 76 times without looking at the article. I I specifically remember that stat about this team.
2: Right. So exactly. And their running back was Jonathan Wells who was less than 3 yards to carry. Um it was not that's a great hard. year. <laughs> it's really hard to do and keep your job, but um yeah, that's I mean all you got to say is the worst offensive DVOA in the history of the league.
0: It's really Okay, I got to
5: read this. So again in this article. The week 14 win over Pittsburgh deserved its own paragraph. The Texans managed only three first down. Carr had more sacks than completions, four to three. And running backs Wells and James Allen had 31 yards on 23 carries. They won 24 to three because Pittsburgh had five turnovers, and they returned three of them for touchdowns.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What happened?
2: Did Mike oh – wait. So, is that the day that they decided they were going to move on from Bill Cower? It seems like it might have been the day.
5: Oh my God. That's a crazy that is a crazy football game. Um
2: dude. Wow. More so than completion.
0: Like,
5: keep in mind, I think that was like uh, wasn't that their first season?
0: <laughs> yes. It right? was <laughs> Right. <because> it, it, <laughs> and they're twenty four to
2: three and their offense <laughs> basically didn't show up. That's crazy. Yeah, they, Thirty rushing yards and three
5: completions. So they did nothing on offense. Legit zero.
2: <laughs> Literally nothing. How is that not the worst DVOA ever? All right, number uh, number eight. Moving on. How do I not remember how bad that team was? The 0-3 Arizona Cardinals were a minus forty two and had a four and twelve record, last in defensive DVOA and next to last in offensive DVOA. <laughs> Among their losses. 38-0 to Seattle. 50-14 to San Francisco. And forty-four to six to the Cleveland Browns, who no, finished five and eleven. Yes! The Browns. Okay.
5: So I'm scanning down the list to see if there's any actual interesting teams we can talk about here that I might Oh, the ninety one Indianapolis Colts. There's a good one.
2: All right, can um, we get there for Stop ruining the list. Stop it. <laughs> Talk about the 0-3 Cardinals. I demand it. I teams demand teams
5: it. These teams are so <laughs> unmemorable because of their badness, unless you're an actual fan. Like I'm sure Steve, and I hate to pick on him, but I'm sure he remembers that Dolphins team that we already talked about. Um, I
0: guarantee. Because it.
5: God, it's a painful year to be a Dolphins fan. But if you're not a fan of one of these teams, they are such an afterthought in the in the NFL's the pantheon of NFL history.
2: God. I will say I will say in particular this half of the list the top five the bottom five of this list 10 through 6 this is these are teams that you're not going to remember because they were so bad but they weren't all-time bad you know what I mean
0: I remember the
2: 08 Lions remember them they were 0 and 16
5: I love the fact that they're not the worst team on the list continue
2: However, number seven is the 2009 St. Louis Rams, a minus 45.1% DVOA, 1 and 15. And remarkably, there are two teams, two straight Rams teams on this list. So back-to-back years made this list, and neither was the worst in the history of the league. All right, so anyway, the Rams were dead last in offensive DVOA and second-to-last in defensive DVOA, but they end up slightly ahead of the 08 Rams in overall DVOA because above-average special teams. Wow.
0: The Rams were shut out twice
2: in the – go ahead.
5: I was just going to say, the only team they beat that whole year in their 1-15 in season was the Lions, and this is the year following the Lions' winless season when the Lions were pretty much equally awful to their winless season. So, wow.
2: Correct. 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 In week eight, at home. <laughs> and Okay, so they were shut out twice in the first four weeks and then lost two other games by over 35 points. The O nine 9 Rams were bad. And you know who wasn't the coach? Jeff Fisher. I believe it was Scott Linehan.
5: Well, they were eight and eight, so we know it wasn't Jeff Fisher.
2: <laughs> we're not <laughs> seven and nine, eternal. The number six team on this list is the nineteen eighty seven Atlanta Falcons, and Mike doesn't even remember this team. I do a, remember there being being strike
5: that year, and I think the strike season should probably, um, pretty much omit any team from being on the list just because replacement players, you know, it's not really. I kind unfair. of agree. Yeah.
2: I kind of agree. Yeah. Minus 45.8 and a 2 and 10 record, the Falcons did beat the eventual Super Bowl champion Redskins 21 to 20 in week 2, but their only other win came against Dallas in week 13. Otherwise, the Falcons lost games by scores of 48 to 10, 38 to nothing, and 35 to 7. DVO ratings only measures a 12 non-strike games. So that so they didn't count the strike games into the DVOA. Ranked uh, Atlanta ranked 27 out of 28 teams on defense and dead last on offense. Wow. The thing that's really
5: amazing five, about this... this-
2: five five yeah. different quarterbacks started for the Falcons in 87.
5: It's how in the NFL, of all the sports, you have the most ability... They do the most to, to create parity with the rules and the way rosters work and the way the salary cap works and the way scheduling works. And so... For you to have a team that is this bad to get on this list requires such an amount of incompetence from the top to the bottom of your team, like from the draft to the GM to the moves they make to the free agents to the coaching, and on top of all that, to bad luck, to, to not only put together an awful roster, but then to underperform their awful roster, like the amount of ineptitude that it requires to get to this level of badness is actually exceptional.
2: Now, Steve, I'm going to call out how young Mike is. 1987, there's no salary cap, and there's no free agency. <laughs>
5: That's why they don't belong in the None.
0: Continue. <laughs>
2: so I officially exclude them from the list. Number five, the 08 Rams, minus 47.1 and a 2-14 and 14 record. They were dead last and offense. Thirtieth on defense, twentieth on special teams. Linehan was fired after an 0-4 start, so he wasn't the coach in 09, thankfully. Oh my god. The Rams in their first four games of O eight were outscored hundred and forty seven to forty three. Wow. They went they went on to win their next two games under Jim Haslett and then dropped the last ten of the season. It's very Rams. So that's very Ram.
5: I think this next team is probably the most memorable of the entire list.
2: So you remember this team that I'm about to go on to. I know Steve does, because Steve was a young man just as I was. You were a mere boy.
5: This is when I really started to become an NFL fan. That was the early 90s.
2: All right. Steve, you remember this team, the 91 Colts.
5: All I remember is Jeff George.
2: <laughs> yeah well there you go second year quarterback jeff george led the one of the worst offenses in DVO, dvoa history the colts were 25th on defense 19th on special teams their only win came by a single point over the eight and eight jets wow, wow. Jeff george had a key. i will say this not only were they bad they were also uninspiring They weren't even bad in a good way. The,
5: the next team is the most... But man could jump throw. <laughs> All right.
2: Michael, you know, please unveil, unveil the next team on our list. Number three.
5: The, the number three team is the worst team in the history of the league. The 0-16 Lions, because results matter. So teams that won games, I, you know, you can use your advanced metrics if you like. But the team that didn't manage to win a game, to me, is the worst team in the history of the league. So I'm going to go with the 0-8 Lions. If the Jets this year go 0-16, it's just as exceptional. Like, it's so hard to not fall into a win. You look back at that Texas team we talked about that manages a win in a game in which they had 31 rushing yards and three completions. You know, it's hard to not win a game, period. And this team managed it. And, once again, a combination of ineptitude, bad roster, bad coaching, and utter awful luck gets
2: you to 0 So I'll give you the numbers. Minus 48.4% in the 0-16 record. They were the fourth worst defensive DVOA in history and the number 30 offense of 2008, but the special teams were slightly above average. To Mike's point, though, this team couldn't find a way to win one goddamn game, and I'll tell you what, Rod Marinelli deserved better than that. He deserved better than that. He's a Marine. So, polarity
5: ensues with team number
2: two. Hold on. Now, hold on. I'm trying to make sure you remember. 48.4, this is the highest plus-minus. The, no, the next the next team, number two, Mike's going to give it to you in a second. Make sure you give them the numbers, Mike. What's number two? So, you
0: got
5: the 09 Lions. The year following the next 16 they actually were considered by these advanced metrics to be a worse team than the winless team in 08 um, with the minus 51.6% um, de- you know, defensive value over average or how, whatever that DVOA is, uh, 2 and 14. So they managed two wins yet are still worse statistically than the team with no wins. And keep in mind, if you're 0 and 16, with the, with the way the scheduling works in the NFL nowadays, and I'm fairly certain that that was the case in 09, the scheduling worked the same way. Um, they played, you know, in theory, the easiest schedule in the league, or they played a last-place schedule, uh, which should have been, right. again, theory, an easy schedule. Um, their defense However, was a little better. This, this line says it all. Their defense was a little better but remained the worst in the league Well, the offense and special teams both fell to 31st out of 32 teams. So they had the worst defense in the league, which was still better than the year before, and the second worst offense and special teams.
2: Because the year before was the the fourth worst defense in NFL history. History!
5: (laughs) So they were able to improve (laughs) while still not catching any of the other 31 teams. That's how bad this team is.
2: Yeah, however, number one, Steve, I'm going to ask you if you remember this team. The 05 San Francisco 49ers, minus 55.5% DVOA, 4-12 and record. They were the third-worst offense in DVO history with the 36th-worst defense ever and somehow managed to pull off
5: four victories,
2: all by less than a touchdown. But their 12 losses were abysmal. Featuring scores such as forty two to 3, 28 to 3, 52 to seventeen, and forty-one to three. Do you remember that team, Steve?
0: Uh,
4: this, actually honestly I don't.
2: <laughs> but I
4: don't Me like either. It. It's the I o- 08 Lions. That in-
0: That's the worst team ever.
4: I don't remember that entire <laughs> division.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, the only team on this list you know is the O eight Lions. So maybe this should be a dumb sports list. Because this is dumb. It's the O eight Lions are the worst. The absolute worst. Mike was 100 percent right. That's the worst team I ever saw. They didn't win a friggin' game. Not one. Not even by accident did they win a game. It's awful. Uh, I don't know how you can have um, a team
5: I- that went four and twelve is mediocre and all, but I, I don't care what your advanced metrics say. Your head has to come into it at some point and go, well, they managed to win a quarter of their games. So as bad as they were, they
0: found they found a way to win. Fun.
5: Yeah, there's 100 teams in the history of the league. Or, you know, I don't know the exact number, but many, many oh, teams in the history bunch. of the league have gone 2-14, and 3-13, and, and not managed to win a quarter of their games like San Francisco did that year. So, you know, right. yeah, your, your list the other, is stupid. Um, should... the, the, um, the other team that failed to get
4: a win, you know, it's like I guess before the 08 Lions were the, what was it, 78 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was that?
5: Oh, they were 0 and 14. Right. Tampa Bay actually lost the first 26 games in the history of their franchise. They were 0 and 14, and then the following year they were 0 and 12 to start the season.
2: And they, I think they finished one and 13. Now, Steve, do you remember the famous quote by their coach, John McKay?
5: I'm all for it.
0: Which was yeah.
2: So he was he was proposed a question in a press conference, and they said, John what did you think of your team's execution? And he said, I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, we're going to leave you. I was going to play Bullet with Butterfly Wings, but I don't know what the hell's going on. We just had the major technological difficulty. So if you're still staying with us, we really appreciate it. This is Sports and Beer with Friends. It's our first live show ever. We're featuring the music of uh, Smashing Pumpkins from Melancholy and the Independent Sadness, 1995's album. It's a huge album. It's probably one of the top five albums of the 90s. It was a massive double album opus by uh, by Billy uh, Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. A fantastic, fantastic album. I think I played an Ode to No One. I played Tonight Tonight. I've kind of played Bullet with Butterfly Wings. I'm going to play Zero right now. This is one of my favorite songs off the album. It's kind of a little bit underrated. I think you're going to love it. We'll be back right before, after this on Sports and Beer with wait, Mike. Mike, hey, are you trying? Go ahead. Go ahead.
5: Before you start the song, just to tie this back to how worthless the preseason is, were you aware that the 0 and 8 Lions that went 0 and 16 were were 4 and 0? Yes, they the were 4 and 0. Night?
2: I did. I <laughs> did know that. Yeah. Anyway, I just All wanted right. to point that out. Here's not, the damn. Here's
0: the damn song.
2: a hard stop. That's what we call a hard stop in the biz. That is uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and that is Zero. I love that song a lot. That's the best Anybody song on the album. That's- Do you agree that Zero is kind of underrated, though?
5: I just told you I thought it was the best song on the album, and it probably right. most people would not. Never- Say that, so yeah, I
2: agree. Right. Okay. All right. So you're you're thinking that most people are going to tell you that it's "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" or or "Tonight Tonight" or an "Ode to No One" that kind of song, yeah? Yeah.
5: There's a reason you played this it.
2: Right, because it's the best one.
0: You say. <laughs> you know,
2: for honestly, four? that's why I played it for it, because I think it's the best goddamn one.
0: There's All right. No well, at least you
2: have good. T-
5: Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.
2: Yeah. I, hey, yo, I have impeccable taste. Impeccable.
5: The best taste. The best taste. I have great taste.
2: I have the best taste. I have all the words. They're the best words. All right. So, anyway, so we're going to talk about the uh, 2017 ASC uh, preview. We're going to do our preview show right now. Um, so, it's going to be similar to what we did last week. We're just going to kind of go uh, – last week, two weeks ago. We're going to kind of go through – who we think is a a notable player this season, the head coaches, the division winners, that kind of thing. Um, So we'll run through that over the next two segments. So um, I don't know. First thing, obviously the elephant in the room now is the Edelman injury and how that is or is not going to shake up the NFC. uh, I'm sorry, the AFC rather. Uh, Steve, what do you think about the Edelman injury and how it impacts the overall AFC race and the AFC East in particular?
4: Um. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, the Patriots still ahead of the class in the East, no ifs, ands, and buts yeah, about I, it.
2: I still think so, too. Do you still think that they're, they're the Super Bowl favorite from the conference, however?
5: I still think so. The bottom line is
4: there's not <laughs> I, a good Mike,
5: team. So, okay. so, besides the Patriots, there's not a good team in the AFC East. So, it puts the Patriots right. at a very likely 6-0 O in their six division games. Now, look, things happen. You can't predict things, but they're going to be heavily favored in their six division games. And so they have the advantage against a team like, say, the Raiders, who are another one of the really class act teams in the league, who have to play Denver. However, questionable
2: defense. Yeah. Oh Well, yeah, speaking about seeding, for sure. So, Well, this is where I was trying to lead you, though. I'm trying to lead you so the the Patriots they're clearly diminished because of Julian Edelman. You can say all you want that they're gonna be able to slot this other guy in or the other guy in. Julian Edelman is a talent that is different from a lot of other slot talents. He's he does think his skill set is is not easily replicated. However, what I will say is I don't think the AFC overall is a very good conference this year. I think there's a bunch of teams that are mediocre and there's a few teams that are really, really bad in the AFC. Do you agree agree, or disagree with that statement, Michael?
5: I agree. I actually think that I feel like the league this year, there's less parity in the league in general, in, in both the AFC and the NFC than there is in typical league, in typical, typical years, excuse me. I feel like, yeah, you, there's haves and have-nots in a way that there normally is not in the NFL.
2: Right, I feel like the Cleveland Browns are going to be a better football team, but they're still going to be really bad. Okay, I think San Francisco on the other side is is the same. The Jets, however, I think are going to be the worst roster in football. Um, I I don't think the Bal at Baltimore is going to be very good because of their injuries already. I think Cincinnati's taking a step back. I think Buffalo is not going to be as good. I think – well, I talked about Baltimore. Uh, talking about the AFC South, I think Jacksonville is still a mess because they have zero quarterback. I, I, There's no – they're an absolute disgrace because their roster is so good and they don't have a quarterback. You've got uh, in the same division, Indianapolis, you don't know what's going on with their quarterback position. When is Andrew Luck well, going to be back? The, the team roster team otherwise is bad.
5: Um you know, every team has these glaring flaws. Houston has an excellent defense, but it's, you know, they just, they can't put it together on offense. Tennessee is the team, you know, there's basically, I feel like Pittsburgh is a team that has a chance to be an elite team. Tennessee might be a year away from that, but I think Tennessee has a chance to be really good this year. And then you've got the West, which probably beats each other up pretty good, but I don't really – I think Denver is a lot – them and Houston are basically the same team. Excellent defense, yep. really questionable quarterback play, not a lot going on on offense. But I, um,
2: I, I trust got a lot of quarterback situation way more than I do uh, Denver's because Houston at least has a chance to have something. I don't think Denver's got anything. All right, so start it out this way. Steve, who is your player to watch in the AFC this year?
4: I think it's Tom Brady. Really. I mean, especially with Edelman out. I mean, it's just, you know, we'll see how he deals with that and uh, see if he can top, you know, last year. Um, She's like, you know, and today when we were watching the, the preseason game, you know, so the other team, you know, the other guy to watch is on the other side of the ball is Khalil Mack. Oh,
5: yeah. Yeah, he's a monster. I got to you know. I mean, it's
4: uh, the reason why. I mean, it's just they got so many good things going on on offense, and again, glaring deficiencies on defense. You know, he's definitely the bright spot. We got to see how his leadership skills and, you know, whatever he does on, on the field translate into, uh, you know, uh, taking the Raiders deep into the playoffs.
2: All right, guys. Frank from Cincinnati, he's on the line. He's got a question for us. Uh, Frank, you're on the air with Duckman, Steve, and Mike. Go ahead with your question, my man. Hey, Steve and Mike, I just want to say I appreciate your guys' show. I like what you guys are doing. Uh, I want to know what your take on uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and uh, the Steelers' offense this year. How how are we going to do this year?
5: I think that so I have a ton of respect for the Steelers. If you've listened to the show in the past, I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I would run through a wall for Mike Tomlin Um, if. Anybody besides Belichick was a Patriots coach, I'd be more than happy to have it be Tomlin. Um, as far as their offense goes, you've got what you want in an offense in that you've got an elite quarterback, an elite running back, an elite receiver. And then they've got great pieces around that. And, I mean, I think they're one of the top five or six offenses in the league. Um, they got to stay healthy. Big Ben is a tank, but it seems like year after year he has these – these nicks he keeps getting nicked up dinged up and he's always got some injury he's fighting if he can stay healthy and Le'Veon Bell in this with the franchise tag can not you know not play mad at his organization because they couldn't put together a long-term deal look Antonio Brown if he's not the best receiver in the league he's certainly in the top two or three Uh, that team has more talent on offense than just about anybody in the league so I really like Pittsburgh's offense
2: I was gonna say PJ. you know when uh when oh, when sorry, ben frank. uh I was gonna say when when ben uh spreads Brown's butt cheeks and puts his cock in his asshole uh I wanna know if it's easier all right, so we got rid of Frank real quick, uh anyway,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> listen, frank, I'm gonna tell you this right now, good on you, buddy, you got it, all right, whatever. And we're not a show that's afraid to. But I mean, dude, what are you doing, (laughs) Uh, Mike? I want to say your points on Pittsburgh really uh, are uh, on point. They're uh, it's exactly my exact. Here's my here's my fear with uh, Le'Veon Bell and his holdout. However, Le'Veon Bell, (laughs) the guys from Steve can't stop laughing. Go ahead, because
5: they've been getting beat up so bad by Pittsburgh for so long, like. There's yeah, obviously yeah. some angst there. Um, frankly, I enjoyed his comments. And uh, yeah, that was good. That, that was solid, man. I mean,
2: however, this is what I was say know. about Le'Veon Bell right now. So, first of all, Le'Veon Bell is holding out. And, and he's not, he's admittedly not going to show up until September 1st. Guys historically who have held out, especially at running back, have held out from preseason and training camp. They tend to end up with, uh, soft tissue problems, injuries, that kind of thing. It's happened a bunch of times throughout the history of free agency and guys holding out. That's my only fear with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, other than that, they're going to walk in this division. This division is going to be so bad that they're going to walk, regardless of how whether or not Le'Veon Bell is a factor. Agree or disagree? Steve? I agree. Okay. Well, that's easy. Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I mean, I want to beat up Cincinnati just because of the color, but I think Cincinnati is a team that kind of gets overlooked from year to year. Dalton gets hated on a lot because he's a ginger and he has no soul. Um, but, he
2: he you know, have no
5: overall, that team, a couple of years ago, I remember we were talking about before the season, and not just us, but the sort of, Pundits in general, we're talking about Cincinnati's roster being this one to fifty-three, the best roster in the league, and it hasn't turned over that much that they have a dearth of talent in Cincinnati. Um, there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball in Cincinnati, and for whatever reason, on a year-to-year basis, they just can't translate that into eleven and five, twelve and four, and home field advantage and deep runs in the playoffs. Um, I'm going to say this, but
2: their defense. <laughs> It's, it's just I – th- I don't think their defense is as good as it was three years ago because it's the same guy. It's the exact same guy. And I don't think that they're going to be I- – I just feel like they're just older and a little bit slower, and I don't think their defense is going to be very good. So, I don't think they're going to be to I'm still kind of mad for spot.
1: cutting
5: Frank off and not letting him continue his point. Because, I, I mean, where could he have been going with that? It could have been good.
2: You I know. want Frank to follow the show. I want him to follow the show so I can DM him. So I can get him on the show and control his wit (laughs) because he just went straight to the anus. He could have prolonged that for at least 30 more seconds. But he had to go straight to anal sex between Rafa and Antonio Brown. If he had gone anywhere else and he was slowly caressing Antonio Brown's testicles, he'd have been on the air for at least 10 more seconds after that. But he's got to go cock ass. I like Frank. Frank, follow the fucking show, asshole. Frank, you're the highlight. Am I right or wrong? I, <laughs> I just so, I like having a caller, <laughs> but you can't go cocking ass. Stay tough. Anal sex on the I, on the first date, Frank. On the first date, anal. Is that a buddy of yours? Or is that a random
0: call? No, I have I'm not, just, I mean, no.
2: That, le- <laughs> no, no, he was legit from Cincinnati. He does not like the it.
0: <laughs>
2: you got to make sure Cammy well, listens I mean, to the show funny. now.
0: And I mean, we, we talked we about point- it
4: before. I mean, the, the whole thing with Cincinnati is just—I mean, it's it, it's Dalton. You know, I mean, yeah. with, with all those with all those weapons on offense with the defense that they've had in place now for the last, what, three, four or five years. I mean, you think yeah. they make deep runs. I mean, it's just because of the quarterback yeah, play, but what do you do? You can't replace them.
2: It's, it's it's yeah. Exactly exactly how... Yeah. It's exactly what you I, say I all the time. It all Mike. The time. So I say it.
5: You got a top 15 quarterback. Like there's only so many quarterbacks in the world. You have a guy who among all the people on this planet, is in the top 15 of what he does. The unfortunate thing is he's like 15th and you can't upgrade to one of the other guys that's better than him because none of them are on the move. And so you have to try to ride with that dude. And there's a bunch of teams that are in that same position that are trying to ride with that dude. And the problem with that is it's very rare that one of those dudes wins the Super Bowl. And you know we can all sort of remember the Trent Dilfers and the the uh, Brad Johnsons winning the Super Bowl, but then you look at what their team had, and they were historically good defenses. Other than that, the guys winning the Super Bowl are typically Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So the only one that I would say is is not um, among the last fifteen years, besides the two I just named, is probably Eli Manning. I mean, defense, it, it, it although
2: got, not it, it historically good. Go ahead, Steve.
4: No, and, and I mean they. I mean they're they are they are not you know bad enough where they without even I I guess I mean you know mortgaging their future. I mean they can't even move up to pick up a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You know, I mean. Right. it's,
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: it's, a, it's the, a bad. The, the be, GM. The Bills' GM came out and said it. I mean, you've got teams that are in quarter, quarterback purgatory because they're never in a position where they're picking in the top three, but they're not bad enough. I mean, they're not good enough to make the playoffs. So they're kind of stuck in this position where they're not – they're not – they don't suck enough to get a top pick, but they can't make the playoffs anyway. And so they're just kind of stuck. You get Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor and guys like that for – ever and ever and ever, and amen, and it just – well, how are you going to run a franchise like that? I don't know. Or well, like uh, Chad Pennington. Mike doesn't know. <laughs> right, well, you or just, Chad you, Pennington, or Sage Rosenfeld, or Jay You're Fiedler, good. or any number of other guys who've worn the aqua and orange.
5: <laughs> the bottom line for you is, you know, you as a Cowboys fan, you look at it and go, yeah, well, guess what? they were set up to get into quarterback purgatory, too. And what did they do? They drafted a guy who's probably, you know, going to be a perennial all-pro going forward in the fourth round. So some of it is luck, too, and and good oh talent God. evaluation.
1: But,
0: right.
5: but you really can't Look. give Dallas credit for some great talent evaluation because if they really thought Dak Prescott no. was the Dak Prescott on the field, they wouldn't draft him in the fourth round. They draft him in the second round. They, they guarantee that they will- pick him, not – let them fall to them, you
2: know? I, I will give you a prosecutor's evidence on the fact that the Cowboys did not know what they had in Dak Prescott when they drafted him. They attempted to, to trade back up into the second round of the 2016 draft to draft Paxton Lynch. But thankfully, the Denver Broncos offered a better package to Seattle. Otherwise, Paxton Lynch would have been the backup quarterback to the Dallas Cowboys last year after Kellen Moore broke his ankle. And then thankfully the Oakland Raiders selected Connor Cook in the third round just ahead of where the Dallas Cowboys were selecting. So they didn't select Connor Cook to be the backup quarterback to Tony Romo after Kellen Moore broke his ankle. So then when they got to the fourth round, in the first part of the fourth round they had a fourth round, they had a high draft pick and they selected Charles Tapper, who did not play in 2016, and then with their supplemental draft pick, then they picked Rain, Dakota Prescott, out of Mississippi State. They are the luckiest son bitches in the history of the world. That is fortuitous. Yep.
5: And so it always, you know, we picked in the top three and we got Marcus Mariota, who's going to be a perennial all-pro. Sometimes it's just getting lucky and you know, real. you got some and God, teams God, that are in purgatory because they haven't gotten lucky.
2: Well, you got, also got teams in purgatory because they trade up to pick E.J. Emanuel in the first round. Buffalo, yep. what are you doing?
0: I'm just looking That's
2: at, I
4: mean, you know, t- talking about, you know, having some sense of luck or whatever. I mean, you just got to look back at the 2012 draft, you know, when uh, just Miami picked up Tannehill. I guess he was the third overall pick, you know, quarterback taken. But, I mean, all the other teams kind of set themselves up for quarterback purgatory as well. I mean, you know, first overall, Andrew Luck. Okay, so we got to wait until, you know, see how that plays out. I mean, he has that star potential, but, you know, early on, you know, did well, but now he's basically, I mean, we don't even know when he's going to play this year. Okay? Correct. Look at Griffin, right? Robert Griffin uh, shoots. I mean, you know, out is, of the is he on a
5: roster? <laughs>
2: okay. No, he's out of the league. His big tweet right. recently was he got a haircut.
4: <laughs> then then you got they're Tannehill not, taken, then, taken in the eighth. And then, I mean, it's, Miami's been, you know, uh, I guess, you know, um, he, he got the long-term deal, but, you know, so they're in quarterback purgatory <laughs> because of that.
2: Just like the Bills, just like Cleveland, just like a bunch of other teams. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get, after the break, uh, 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 give me this. Hold on. We talked players to watch. All right. We, you know what? We still talk in the about league. the most
5: intriguing division to me in the whole AFC, which is the West, where there's actually some argument to Thank be made you. over which team is the best team in that in that part of the league. You know what I mean?
2: Uh, that's what I want to talk about. Give me the toughest division. I I seem to agree with you. I think you think it's the AFC West. I also think it's the AFC West. Steve, do you have a
5: disagreement?
4: Is, is there you, uh, AFC West and NFC South?
2: Well, what? yeah. So we talked NFC South was the t- the toughest division in the NFC. Right. I agree with you there.
0: Okay. So yeah. So AFC. So in West.
2: The AFC all right. Good. Now, Mike, give me uh, give me your reasoning why the AFC West is the toughest division in the, in the conference.
5: Well, first of all, the Raiders are the team that probably has the best the best pedigree, you know, overall talent wise next to the Patriots in the league. Um, you can, you can question their defense, but their offense can literally outscore anybody and their defense has the best defensive playmaker in the AFC. Uh, arguably. Arguably. And then Denver, arguably.
0: If,
5: if you want to, if you were going to make the argument that it wasn't Khalil Mack, there's two or three guys on Denver's defense that you could argue are that guy. And you could certainly argue in tandem When you look at Denver's secondary and Von Miller, really there's no weakness in Denver's defense. The problem with them is they're very much like Houston in that they're kind of one-sided and they're going to have to beat you down with the defense. And in today's NFL, the rules really do favor the offensive side of the ball and scoring in general is sort of the way to win a game. Um, But Kansas City to me is the most overlooked team in the entire league. I know everybody hates Alex Smith. I just don't hate Alex Smith the way you guys hate Alex Smith. Like, I, and I think Kansas City, as far as their overall talent level, is really high. Their defense is usually top 10-ish, and their offense is in the lower end of the top 10. Great running backs, serviceable receivers, a quarterback who usually leads the league in completion percentage, although he doesn't go deep very often. And, look, they drafted for the future as far as their, the you know, going – trading up to get a quarterback to replace Alex Smith for the future, I got to like the fact that that's a team that is looking towards sustainability in the long term. And they always seem to make smart roster moves to kind of keep themselves relevant. That's why they're making the playoffs year after year, 10 and six, 11 and five, but they kind of get forgotten. And Alex Smith gets a bad rap. So uh, it wouldn't shock me to see Kansas City win that division either.
4: Am I, only one,
5: am, am I the only one that thinks on. that, uh, you
4: know, Kansas City is just going to play Alex Smith the entire game, the next uh, two preseason games, until something happens?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, you mean hoping for an injury? Here's what I'm going to say. I will say this. See, I don't I, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I don't think you're far off. I think that, you know, wake me up when Pat Mahomes is the quarterback. That's what I'm, I want. I can't. I'm exactly that guy you just described. As Alex Smith, I understand, is going to get them to the playoffs. He's going to get them to that first playoff game. He may even win that that game, but they're not going to win a championship with, with Alex Smith as a the quarterback. Their defense isn't that good. He, and he just is completely non-dynamic as a quarterback. I've seen Pat Mahomes. He reminds me of Brett Favre. uh, His arm talent, and he—I just wake me up when when Pat Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me the Raiders to win that division, and I do agree it is the toughest division. I don't, other than their defense, I don't think Denver is much of a threat in that division. Anybody else? (laughs) <laughs> Look, all I right. mean... Uh, We're going to take because, a break. So, go ahead, Mike. Okay,
0: all right, all right.
4: Hello? <laughs> yeah,
2: go ahead. yeah, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay,
4: yeah, so, I mean, just just to finish off with the Chiefs here, so, it's like, I mean, they, they start off the season against the Patriots, which, you know, I mean, uh, they got a chance to win. Nobody's thinking they're going to win. But after that, they, I mean, they got the Eagles, the Chargers, the Redskins, the Texans then it's not really anything until they play the Steelers in the middle of October.
2: So they can stack up wins early, for sure.
4: Then there'll be, you know, I mean, uh, they got the Steelers, Raiders, Broncos, then the Cowboys. So at that point,
5: then, you know, I mean. So they can stack up losses after they stack up wins. Yeah. And so have Alex.
4: Very quickly.
2: So they could win six in a row and then lose four in a row and be sitting there like seven and five-ish. Yeah. Now, I, you that's do what realize I'm saying. I think that's what that four, team is, though.
5: With much the same roster, 12 and four last year. So um, I just feel like, you know, they, they just generally don't get any respect and they're generally underrated. That's
0: all. I just kind of no, want to make that point.
2: I I would say this. I think Kansas City is going to be the second-best team in that division. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs, and I think I'll talk more about that after the break. All right, we're going to take a break. So we played the – when we had our technical difficulties, I played a bunch of uh, Smashing Pumpkin songs in no particular order. So I'm going to play a song by an Italian DJ named Benny Benazzi. This is a song called Who's Your Daddy? And when I come back, we'll talk more about the AFC. Uh, We'll get into the divisions and who's going to win those. That's right after this on Sports and Beer with Brent.
0: Oh, oh yes. Betty Benassi,
2: who's your daddy? So uh small uh small kind of confession. I'm on my wife's computer. So I don't I don't know where the hell that song came from. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> so I had, I had, to,
0: Was I had to, to find the song. What's that?
5: Is that an ode to Frank from Cincinnati? Like, you just want to carry on yeah. with the theme he started?
2: Well, Frank is definitely our daddy tonight. Good job, Frank. I mean, like I said, you could have made it last longer. You could have been awesomer, but you went anus right off the bat. Not easy to go straight to the A, Frank. Just it's like the it.
4: Mayweather fight. It could cool. have lasted, about, you know, it's, uh, 10 seconds longer.
2: <laughs> hey, hey Steve, what are you drinking tonight, by the way?
4: Um I had a McDonald's Coke in front of me, but that's gone. So yeah. No
2: rum? What the fuck? No. <laughs> All right. Mike, what have you been drinking?
5: I got the mixed bulk pack from Kona Brewing Company, so I've been having a, a uh sport of Kona Brews. Started with the fire Rock a, a fire rocket and big I'm working on
2: Alright, well I I actually currently have a longboard in my hand. I've had a couple of uh New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPAs tonight. I've also had uh maybe a couple of vodka and cranberries before we went on the air. I I might be a little drunk. I'm just saying. I don't believe it. All right. <laughs> I'm I think I've got had like six drinks tonight. But anyway, so AFC preview, we're still into that. Uh we're going to get into the division winners. Excuse me. We're going to get into the division winners. Uh, starting off, we're going to start with the AFC East. Uh, even though we've got Julian Edelman down for the season, I still think, in my opinion, it's kind of a walk for the uh, New England Patriots to win this division. Steve, do you disagree?
4: Um, no. Not that stupid. I mean, they're they're just going to walk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, right. I, I think here's the diff- Here's what I think. I think Edelman for them right now is the difference between like thirteen and three and eleven and five. Do you disagree with that, Mike?
0: I do.
5: I think that. Uh, okay. I said this on the show, but I'll remind you that statistically, Tom Brady is twelve and a half and three and a half for his career. That's that's an average Tom Brady season: twelve and a half and three and a half. This team, if anything, is above average, even without Edelman. Uh, I think that you know, twelve and four, thirteen and three is probably right within the realm of expectation.
2: And okay, you know, so you would consider eleven and five, five low?
5: It would be a disappointment for them. Yeah, I, I think that.
2: Okay, even without Edelman. Okay, and I I don't disagree with you. I'm just, I I think the Patriots, if anyone, have earned that. That you know, hey. If we don't do, you know, twelve and four, we're disappointed in our season, regardless of who's here and who's not here. And I'll guarantee you that Bill Belichick will not be making excuses um, if they don't go twelve and four or thirteen and three. Uh, he won't. He won't be on the podium saying, "Well, we don't have Julian." So there's that. Exactly. That's that's okay.
0: exactly
5: it. They they played <clears throat> who they got suited up. I'll say this. Miami's going to be alright this year. Um, I, I don't think they can beat the Patriots in the in the division, but they're they could challenge for a wild card. They could get into the playoffs. Hey, just looking it up though real quick. Th- this is the Patriots' record over the last few seasons. 14 and 2, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 14 and 2. That's their last 7 years. So, yeah, 11 and 5 is disappointing. For, them.
2: for sure. Uh, Last time they won 11 games, they missed the playoffs because Miami was 11 and five and won the tiebreaker. Am I incorrect or correct in that?
4: You are very correct.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Both parties agree. (laughs) Both of our AFC East opponents agree that that is correct. Okay. So moving on the AFC North, uh, again, I think this is a pretty, pretty easy division to call. I think Mike's going to disagree. I think the the Steelers can almost not do anything wrong. I mean, there's no way they can lose this division. I think they're clearly superior to the other three teams. Um, I, I just feel like they're a balanced team. That's going to go far uh, in the NFL this season. Steve, do you disagree with that assessment? Uh,
4: no, I, I think, uh, oh. you know, it's, it's it's going to be as easy a cakewalk as uh, you know the New England has in the East. So
0: Pittsburgh just got
4: you know, they're they're too strong on offense and they they've made some key additions on uh, on defense. I, they're you know clearly uh, head and shoulders above the
5: rest. I wish I could disagree with you just to play devil's advocate and, and create an interesting discussion, but I also agree that Pittsburgh's the class of that division. Uh, I think I like Cincinnati a little better than you guys do. And I think Baltimore always gives Pittsburgh a run for their money, but I feel like Baltimore has kind of fought a war of attrition over the last few years and just kind of, I I just feel like they're, they've sort of bled a little bit of talent over the course of the years. And I I like Pittsburgh the best in that league. I think they got the, the best receiver in that division, the best running back in that division, and the best quarterback in that division. And it's going to be hard for the other teams to overcome that.
2: I, I would say that I, I think that Baltimore, if they didn't have so many – here's where they, they've fallen off is in their depth. They've gotten injuries to key positions over the last year, two years, and I think they just they don't have the depth to overcome that kind of thing anymore. I believe that Cleveland has had a, a couple of really nice off seasons uh, as far as their draft goes, young players. I just feel like they're still – a year, two years, maybe three years away. And, and in Cleveland, it uh, isn't ready to compete. So Pittsburgh is clearly the class, of the class of the division. And Cincinnati, despite what I'm sure Frank feels, is a, a team that's kind of degrading a little bit. Not that they can't retool, but they're just they're allowing themselves to kind of atrophy, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
4: Is Is that word too
2: big for you?
4: I'm thinking Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore uh, dwelling in the cellar in that division.
2: I I agree with you only because I think Baltimore's roster is better than Cleveland's, but I think Baltimore's just sustained too many injuries, even already. Uh, They've been snake-bitten, and they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, All right, so moving on to the AFC South. Now, I think this is – possibly the most compelling division in the conference. Maybe the AFC West has something to say about that, but you got two teams in this division who I think are awful and two teams who I think are pretty good, pretty good, especially if Houston has their quarterback situation figured out. So, Mike, talk to me about the AFC South. Boy,
5: if you told me a few years ago, like two, three years ago, that that Indy wasn't going to be the class of the division by this point, I I would have been shocked. Uh, But I don't think Indy's the class of this division. I think they basically drafted Andrew Luck, and, you know, he was the no-brainer, obvious first pick that year. And it's, like, the only thing they've done right in personnel moves since 2012. And they let a patchwork offensive line let Andrew Luck get hurt over and over again. They haven't given him any receiver talent to help him out, and there's been all kinds of receiver movement along the, around the league that they could have picked up a receiver at any point. Um, they haven't put any specific defensive plan together. They just thought they were going to draft Andrew Luck and then he was going to carry him to 12 and 4 seasons, and it hasn't panned out. Uh, Tennessee, to me, is the class of that division that's not close. But Houston's the best defense in the league if Watt and um, Clowney can both stay healthy for the season, boy, that's a scary combination of guys right there. Uh, they can put a lot of pressure on your quarterback. They can – they're really a dynamic defensive unit. Um, but I think Tennessee's got it on both sides of the ball. Young talent, going in the right direction, great running backs, really good quarterback up and coming, great tight end.
3: Um,
5: have put some emphasis on getting their great young quarterback and receiver talent. That's a team that seems to have a plan as far as their personnel moves and I really think Tennessee's got a good chance to be like an 11 and five team this year, make some serious noise in this regular season. So uh, I think Jacksonville is clearly the worst team in that division. That You know, it's funny last year going into the season, we we're all kind of high on Jacksonville. And uh, I just think Blake Bortles is not an NFL quarterback. And that's unfortunate because they do have some talent around him. They got the two receivers that are good. They got some reasonable running backs, good young linebackers, but, Boy, it's just proof that you need a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over to be effective
2: in the NFL. Um, Come so on now, now. Okay, um, go ahead and, uh, my,
5: Steve,
2: break down the NFC South for me. <laughs> yeah,
4: and, um, you know, if, uh, if people haven't, you know, especially here, if they haven't jumped on that uh, Tennessee bandwagon, they will after this season. I think, you know, uh, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Clearly, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to win the division. Um, you know, Houston will be right there. Probably, um, you, know, um, you know, enough to, for them to earn a wild card you know, spot. I'm putting that out there. And, um, you know, so, so close with uh, Indy and, uh, and um, Jacksonville being down, you know, on the bottom in that division. You know, I don't. I, don't, I, I think I, I think Indy's going to be like a four and twelve team.
2: You know, I hate Indianapolis's roster, uh, and and I think the only thing that is ever redeeming for them is that they have Andrew Luck, and he can sometimes win them some football games. I think they are the worst team in the league at evaluating wide receiver talent. Ty Hilton is a okay receiver. Um, Pills said It's not been any good. Uh, they just, uh, they're awful at, at putting pieces around Andrew luck. And it's a shame because Andrew luck is not only a great quarterback, but also a historically important, important uh, con- uh, union general in the civil war. Uh, also, I think that uh, Jacksonville, it's a shame because I love their roster other than the quarterback position. I think they have a really good roster that is being held back, by the fact that they have nothing at quarterback, zero. There is, If Blake Bortles had a, a serious quarterback competition with Chad Henning this offseason, that, that speaks volumes to the fact that they have no quarterback and no solution at quarterback and a really good roster otherwise. And I think Tennessee is going to win the division. I do think Houston is going to have a very good year too. I think eleven and five wins the division with Tennessee, and Houston goes ten and six and gets a wild card. I love them both. I think they're both. I think Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback in Houston before uh, before October, and I think they're going to win a bunch of games
0: if
5: they can commit to him as the quarterback. Um, it, this may not be the year, but I think in the next two to you know next year or the year after, you are going to
0: see they
5: can keep their defense going the way it's been going. Uh, I really like Deshaun Watson's chances to take Houston places. So I agree with you
2: there. I I think long-term, Watts not going to be there more than maybe four more years, but I think they can piece it together in that time frame if Watson is the guy, which I kind of think he is. I really like Deshaun Watson. Uh, What he has upstairs uh, as as far as the quarterback goes, I think you'll be able to put it together and become an NFL quarterback pretty quickly. Um, all right, moving on to the AFC West. All of us have agreed this is the most compelling division. Uh, give me a reason why San Diego has any hope in this division, even though they're actually not a horrible football team. Go ahead, Steve. Well, first of all,
5: they're not in San Diego. Go ahead, Steve.
2: Okay, <laughs> Los Angeles. The Chargers. <laughs> Oh my god, I did it already. Go ahead.
5: Maybe because
4: they're playing in the cozier confines, I uh I, I don't know. I mean, I am uh, just not getting, you know, getting that feeling from them. you know. I think uh yeah, i I'm just just clearly, you know, there's there's two teams that are, you know, well, three teams are going to beat each other up in that division. Um, you know, it's so, but I think far as you know who end up on top i'm real i mean i I think uh kansas city has you know has what it takes on both sides of the ball to make it a close one to them and the raiders
2: I, i i love kansas city's defense i have for a bunch of years and then and then alex smith am i right or wrong mike
0: I just don't hate him
5: as much as you It's another situation, though. He's, you know, I don't know if he's good enough for the Super Bowl, but he's very difficult to upgrade from. So, to to spread it, they draft a quarterback with huge upside. And so, you know, if Mahomes doesn't work out, then you've still got a couple years left of Alex Smith, and you can find, you know, your future guy that way but they took a swing uh, you know they took a home run swing going after Mahomes that they're they they went after a guy that they thought could be a great NFL quarterback that has has that arm talent and maybe they can develop him you know the the decision making process as he uh, apprentices sort of under Alex Smith i think if they get him if they Start playing Mahomes too early that they're actually making a big mistake, though. So I think they should let him develop like Aaron Rodgers did under farm, that type of thing, for a year or two before they commit to him going forward if they really think
2: he's the guy. I don't necessarily uh, disagree with you on that. But let me ask you a question. Do you guys... I, I guess this is kind of a... um Well, anyway, to my ego, do you guys trust my evaluation of NFL... Guys. Of course. Don't. Oh, okay. okay. I think that Pat Mahomes is the real deal. Like last year, I thought Dak could have a great season and was, and could be a good, really good. I, I think Pat Mahomes with his arm talent. And I think he's a smart enough guy where he could be the real deal. I think he could be a franchise type quarterback, like top 10 type quarterback. And I think that there's a chance that he he takes this job from Alex Smith about midseason.
4: As long as they're okay. not like uh, you know uh, six and two.
2: <laughs> right. No, I get it. I get it. Alex, If Alex Smith gets any type of injury and Pat Mahomes goes in I think it could be Colin Kaepernick all over again. Because Alex Smith is uninspiring. Like I like I get it when you when you talk about this, Mike. He's sufficient. He moves the ball. He protects the ball. He doesn't turn it over. He scores enough. He has a good, you know, analytical I mean, as far as advanced analytics. It's pretty good, but he's uninspiring. And when Colin Kaepernick comes in and runs the football down the Chicago Bears throat, that's inspiring. And I think Pat Mahomes is that same kind of quarterback.
5: The biggest problem with Alex Smith is that the field's a hundred yards long and he doesn't make the defense defend the whole thing. Um, he makes the defense, yeah. he allows the defense 15 or 20 yards of it and really doesn't <clears throat> use you. If you don't defend the deep pass, um, and I don't know that that change at this point. He's certainly been in the league long enough that if that was going to change, it already would have. So I can see that um, that argument against Smith certainly, and I think that's the biggest reason that you know he has never been able to take that.
2: Right. Okay. So. I will agree with Steve, I think, and, and Mike both. I think Oakland is the most compelling team in this division, and I think it's because they're really good. Um, I don't love their defense, but I think their offense is good enough that they will carry them to the division title, and then they will make it to the playoffs, and we'll see what they'll do from there. Next week on uh, Saturday, uh, we're going to have another show, and we're going to break down the playoffs for the NFL Plus, we're going to get into some more uh, MLB stuff. But that's going to do it for us this week. We've had a great show despite our technical difficulties. Again, Frank from Cincinnati, I in, I encourage you to reach out to us. I am at Duckman for real. This is at Sports Beer Show. You can get in touch with Mike at Mastrolio123. Reach out to one or the other of us. I think – you had the potential to be much better on today's show, and I'd love to have you back on. What do you think, Mike and Steve? <laughs>
4: give, give them a mulligan. What the hell?
2: <laughs> I, I'm saying. I think <laughs> you're on the right show, the- man. You just went too far too fast. If we're all in on the joke, it's cool. If you're just trying to punk us, get the fuck out. That's all I'm saying. You
5: got it. We got God. It's cool. I enjoyed
2: it. That's what I'm saying. We got, got. good for you, Frank, come on back, come on back, man, that's cool, all right, so we've been featuring uh, songs from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and also this one tune by Benny Benassi, which was kind of weird, but anyway, so we're gonna uh, finish off our Smashing Pumpkins with uh, the title track from the album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. The song, of course, is by the same name. This is a little bit of a departure from most alternative rock of the mid-'90s. However, it's very Smashing Pumpkins. It's basically a piano solo for much of it. That's a great tune. Are you familiar with it, Steve and Mike? Of course. All right. Well, I mean, it's Melancholy. All right, guys. We're going to be back next week. We're going to do our NFC, uh, our, NF, our, our, sorry, our NFL playoff preview. We'll talk about uh, whatever else is going on in the world of sports by then. Obviously, the NBA is going to be cranking up. Uh, we've got a bunch of games next week, including Alabama and Florida State. Uh, we're going to be pretty excited for that. And uh, we'll get all the fallout from uh, Mayweather and McGregor, plus MLB news. And the NBA is going to be cranking up soon, as well as the NHL. But it's going to be football. 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 Alright guys. Uh remember follow me at Man for real. Steve, what's your Instagram address? What's that? What's your Instagram address? It's uh Steve
4: S
1: T E V E C O R.
2: Awesome. And you get a lot of great shoreline fishing pictures plus Steve. You know, oh Steve God. is an interesting guy to follow anyway
5: see me last week. I hate
2: you. God, I wanted to be there so bad. Steve uh, Steve lives the real life. He went to Japan uh, last spring. If you were following him on Instagram, uh, you would have been jealous. Anyway, all right, guys, that's Sports and Beer with Friends for this week. Please join us for next week. Uh, We're going to have, like I said, our NFL playoff preview. Uh, We're going to leave you with, again, melancholy and infinite sadness. See you next week, guys. Thanks for showing us. Have a good night.
0: Thank you.